So tonight's message is called Never Waste an Opportunity. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 11, and we're going to move all the way through 4-4. So um, we're not going to read all the scripture tonight, but we are going to cover a lot of ground. And um, if you haven't read this section of Acts for a while, uh, buckle your seatbelts. There's some really good stuff we're going we're gonna to talk about tonight uh, as we continue our study in the book of Acts. But before we do that, Gina, if you, are, if you can hear me, if you could pray, yeah. I would be... All right. Uh, Lord, we just come to you. We, we love you. We thank you, God, for this time together. We ask, Lord, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to come and to illuminate our eyes and our ears to hear the truth of your word. May we be changed into the image of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, we're going to start out with... Uh, with a couple quick stories. The first one, you'll, you'll see the photograph there. That's actually security cam footage inside a Target store. Um, Leon Walls' rampage started out on the street. Walls was a homeless man who unfortunately was out of his mind. Um, and he walked up to a group of men that he had never seen or met before. And he stabbed one of them right on the street. And then he took off running and ran as fast as he could inside a nearby target. Um, so the man who had been stabbed and two of his friends pursued Walls. Um, they were trying to stop him before he could hurt anyone else. And by the time they got inside the store and found him, Walls had already taken a 16-year-old girl at knife point um, and was threatening to hurt her. Um, and they tried to talk him down. They tried to um, defuse the situation. Unfortunately, Walls started stabbing that 16-year-old girl in the ribs. And when he did, the three men jumped into action. Um, one tackled Walls from behind. Uh, and the, uh, uh, the, the mom jumped in and was able to pull that 16-year-old girl to safety while the other two men took this guy down. And thank the Lord, the girl survived, but clearly if those three men hadn't been there, she would have died. Um, instead of praising them, though, Target sued them. Uh, and what may have been a move to limit their liability, Target has declared that the men who stopped Walls were responsible for his actions because they chased him into the store. The father of the 16-year-old girl was interviewed, and he said, you know, I, I really don't understand. We certainly hold these guys in the highest regard for what they did. Well, if you think that's crazy, meet Tomas Lopez. And as you can see, Tomas uh, is a lifeguard, and he was a lifeguard on duty at Hallandale Beach, Florida, when someone rushed over to his post. A man had swum out too far, Lopez was told, and the victim was drowning. And exactly as he's trained to do, as any lifeguard would, Lopez rushed over, swam out, um, saved the man, brought him back into the shore with the help of some other beachgoers, um, where he then administered CPR, called the paramedics, and saved the man's life. Well, when Lopez handed in the incident report, instead of being heralded as, as a hero, he was fired 
And he was fired because the drowning man, his company informed him, was out of the protected area. And a clearly visible sign said that anyone who swam there did so at his own risk. So according to company policy, anyone drowning, this is a direct quote, anyone drowning outside the designated area was to be left to die. Lopez co-workers were infuriated. Six other lifeguards stood up for him, first telling the company and then the media that they would have done the exact same thing and that Lopez deserved an apology. So the company fired them too. And if you're wondering what in the world does that have to do uh, with our verses tonight, let's, let's see if we can find out. So before we start in uh, reading our scriptures tonight, I want to remind you that two weeks ago, we were in Acts chapter 3, and we read the first 11 or 10 verses. Um, and if you remember, uh, there was a beggar, a man who had been lame since birth, and every, uh, every day, people would bring him and set him down in front of one of the primary gates to the temple. It was the temple gate called Beautiful. Uh, and um, he was put there every day. So the people who would come and go to the temple through that entrance knew exactly who this man was because he was there every day. So Peter and John, as they approached him, they saw him. And if you remember, Peter told the man to he said, look at me, and the man gave Peter his attention, and this was our key verse from last week, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, and Peter reached out his hand, and the man's feet and ankles were healed, and he literally, the scripture says he jumped to his feet. This is a man who has never walked, and you can imagine what that would have been like for him, not only does he walk, he jumps to his feet. So that man, along with uh, Peter and John, enters into the temple courts. He's walking and jumping, and he's praising God. That's what the scripture tells us, that he was praising God for what had just taken place. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called beautiful. And the scripture says they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. All right. And that's where we left off in the story. All right. That's, that's where we're going to pick up today. And when we studied these verses, I asked you who you were in the story. If you remember, I asked you, were, were, were you in Peter's group? Would you have been a disciple uh, were you one of the 3,000 new members of the local church? Remember, I asked, where would you find yourself in the story? Where would you have imagined yourself? Were you an onlooker whose interest is peaked at, and, and who is deciding if all of this is real? Or were you an unbeliever, wondering how they had tricked all these people? Well, I want you to now imagine that you are that person again, and you witness this miracle take place. This man who has been lame since birth is running and jumping and, you know, just you can imagine his voice, how excited he would have, how he would have been. Um, 
what would this have felt like for you? Imagine yourself in this story. What would this have felt like for you? What would have been going through your mind as you saw this man in the temple court? And now I have maybe a little deeper question for you to consider. What will you do when God asks you to step out of your comfort zone? What would you have done if the Holy Spirit had asked you to walk over to that lame man, reach out your hand and tell him to walk? Now understand, I'm not asking you what you would have done if you were Peter. I'm asking what you would have done if you were you. So let your mind kind of explore that as we move on through today's story. So while the man held on to Peter and to John, all the people were astonished and came running into this place called Solomon's Colonnade. And that's where we pick up in verse 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? So for the second time, Peter makes absolutely sure that everyone witnessing this miracle knows who is responsible for it, right? He says, hey, it's not us. It's Jesus. And Peter continues. He says, you know, Jesus, he's the one that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified. You know, Jesus. He's the righteous one that you disowned and instead asked for a murderer to be released. You remember that story? Barabbas was released instead of Jesus. He says, you know, Jesus, the author of life, the one that God raised from the dead. It was by faith in Jesus that this man was healed. And you can see that he is completely healed. Peter doesn't pull any punches here. You know, we need to remember that his audience is Jewish. All of the people inside this temple court are Jews. And these are the same Jews in the same place that just weeks before were whipped up into a frenzy screaming for Jesus to be crucified. Okay, this is important. This is this is, this is really important context for this story. These were the same Jews who spit on him as he carried his cross and hurled insults at him when he was hanging on that cross. These are the same people who laughed when a sign was nailed over Jesus' head that said, King of the Jews. They knew who Jesus was. They were responsible for his death. So you can imagine what was going through their mind as Peter talks. But they're also the same Jews who had then heard stories about Jesus' resurrection. Some of them may have even witnessed and seen Jesus alive again. There are conflicting stories running rampant through town right now if you were in Jerusalem on this day. And the Sadducees, who are here at the temple on this day, 
as well as the Pharisees, have been telling everyone that Jesus is dead and the stories of his resurrection are nothing but lies. But here are Jesus' disciples doing miracles that no one can explain. And now that Peter has their complete attention and the Holy Spirit is working, it's convicting them of what they have done, Peter starts to change his tone. He says, now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. It's like Peter had told them, look, you're trapped. You have no way out of what you have done to God's one and only son. But now he seems to be offering them a ray of hope, setting them up for the most important news that these people will ever hear. Verse 19 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Wow. For the Jews listening, this is fantastic news. They have gone from being guilty of killing the Son of God to being given two absolutely incredible gifts. First, they can have their sin wiped out. Now, remember, um, these are Jews. They understood the weight of sin. They understood, um, you know, the responsibility for sin. They understood that when you sinned, you had to give a sacrifice. They understood that doing a minor sin might cost you a goat. They understood that a bigger sin could cost you a cow. They got that. What could the sacrifice be for killing the Messiah. No one could possibly ever cover that debt, right? No one had enough cows, enough anything to cover that kind of debt. And yet Peter is telling them there's an opportunity for them to be forgiven. So I want to ask you another question, something for you to consider. Do you believe that your sin is too great for you to be forgiven? If so, I want you to realize that the punishment for your sin has already taken place. And if you think, well, no, John, you don't understand my sin. My sin was is heavy. My sin is really, really bad. Let me explain that Jesus' death was the most horrific, painful, physical, mental, and spiritual punishment in the history of all mankind. No one has died a worse death than Jesus. Whatever you have done, Jesus' death more than covers that punishment. You can't out-sin Jesus' punishment. You just have to let his death be the substitution for what you have done, okay? So back to our passage. Peter says their sin can be forgiven, and then he goes a step further. Not only could they be forgiven for this heinous crime, 
but they can have a time of refreshing. And so often we talk in the church about grace and mercy. And here we see both. The Jews are being offered mercy, forgiveness of the sins they have committed, right? They killed Jesus. They are guilty of some big sins. They have, they are guilty. They are being offered mercy, but they're also being offered grace, a gift they don't deserve, right? Here he's also offering grace, this refreshing, okay? All here in one simple step. It reminds me of John 10, 10. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The Jews have just heard the gospel of Jesus. If you repent and follow Jesus, you will be forgiven of your sins, and you will not just have life, but you will have a life lived to the full, a life of peace, a life of joy, and a life of purpose. The next question is probably the most in question. Well, it is the most important question that you'll ever have to consider. Have you repented for your sin? Have you come to a faith in Jesus? And if you have, if you have received Jesus' forgiveness, are you experiencing his refreshing? Is your life filled with peace and joy and purpose, regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in? So Peter goes on and he continues to explain the gospel of Jesus to the Jews. And then we fast forward a bit. We go to uh, Acts chapter four, verse one. And what, what it tells us there is that the priests and, and the captain of the temple guard and that the Sadducees came up, uh, they came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Um, and they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. All right? So Peter has been talking about, hey, if you, if you follow Christ, your sins can be wiped out. You won't, when you die, you won't go to hell. You're going to go to heaven. That's the gospel of Jesus. And the Sadducees had overheard this. But it's really, really important for us to understand the relevance of that, because it wasn't the Pharisees in the temple that day. They actually did believe in resurrection from the dead, but the Sadducees did not. They didn't believe that when you died, you would be resurrected to heaven or any place else. They were waiting for the Messiah, but they completely missed the heart of God, and quite frankly, um, obviously misunderstood the scriptures um, because they were waiting for a Messiah who would kind of bring heaven to earth. They were waiting for a Messiah who would take over political power and apparently um, that would essentially give them eternal life on earth. Well, obviously that wasn't the plan. Um, they were looking for a Messiah who would bring heaven to earth, not earthlings to heaven. So this is a situation where Peter was claiming the one thing that the Sadducees were really hung up on, 
okay and that was the resurrection of the dead that was the one thing that would get them fired up so let's let's see how they respond what do they do when they hear peter talking about resurrection from the dead acts 4 3 says they arrested peter and john they seized peter and john and because it was evening they put them in jail until the next day so let's pull back okay let's just pull back for a moment and put this into perspective Peter and John have come to the temple to pray. They have come to worship their God. On their way in, they see a man, and they, they have pity on him. He is a man who has been lame since birth. He has never been able to walk. He is living a life literally down in the dirt, right? And they have pity on him. They have love for him. And they see that man and they give him the one thing he really needs. He's hoping for a few bucks, right? He's hoping for a $5 bill, so to speak. But Peter reaches out his hand and helps him up. And they literally, through the power of the Holy Spirit, they heal this man and his feet. They don't, he just, it's not like he just starts to walk. His feet literally like transform and are healed. He jumps up, he's excited, he can't believe what has just happened to him and 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 you can imagine the celebration in this man's spirit right as he has been healed so he enters the temple he he goes in the court with john and peter he's jumping and praising god and then peter tells everyone around him the good news that jesus healed this man and that jesus can heal them too because their lives are broken. They have this heavy, heavy sin on them. And you had to know that they knew. You had, I mean, they must have at this point. Can you imagine feeling the weight as Jesus is hanging on that cross? There, there must especially have been some of them who realized, what, what have we done? So what happens to Peter and John for their incredible act of love and kindness they, they get thrown into jail. They get arrested, which brings me to an important point. Some people can't handle a miracle. There will come a time when Jesus shows up big in your life and you share it with others. You celebrate what God has done for you. When you do, be prepared. Some will rejoice with you. Some will be excited for you. Some will rejoice with you. Some will be skeptical and they might ask you questions. But some, regardless of the evidence, will not believe. So don't be surprised and don't be disheartened. Like, think about Jesus. 500 people talked to the resurrected Jesus. 500 people witnessed the holes in his hands and feet, the hole in his side. They talked to him. He was able to verify that he was who he was. And still millions, even billions of people don't believe that he rose from the dead. So don't be disheartened. Remember, the only opinion that really matters is God's opinion. And if he is pleased with you, that is all that matters. 
but we serve an amazing God because even though Peter and John get arrested, I mean, can you imagine? They just healed this guy. Now they're in handcuffs, so to speak. They're drug off to jail. But verse four says that many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Wow, we now have 5,000 following Jesus. Just last chapter, um, we were astonished that we went from almost zero to 3,000. Now we're at 5,000. You know, earlier I asked you, what will you do when God asks you to step out of your comfort zone? Now, for some of you, I want to ask a different question. Because maybe for you, God has already asked you to step out of your comfort zone. And if he has, has, you know, has God asked you to take a step of faith? Has God already put someone on your heart who needs encouragement or to hear the good news about Jesus? How will you respond? Will you reach out your hand to heal them? Or will you let fear keep you paralyzed? And I have found through the years that there are just a few things that keep us from reaching out to others. One is we believe that we don't know enough about God. We don't know enough about the Bible. We don't know enough about Jesus to tell someone our story. Well, the truth is you, you don't need to know everything about the Bible. You just need to know how Jesus has changed your life. That's what your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, that's what they need to hear. You can hand them a Bible. They can read the good news, but they need to know how Jesus has changed your life. And you do know that. You know, there are some people, though, lots of people, including myself for a great deal of my own life, who live in fear um, about what would happen if I talk to my neighbor, if I talk to my mother, brother, sister, uncle, whoever it is, right? What if I have to talk to my boss? What if I have to talk to my teacher or, you know, whoever God has put in your path. The devil wants you to live in fear. He wants you to second guess what you know. He wants you to second guess what you believe. Because if he can keep you on the sideline, he can keep your coworkers, friends, and family from the truth about Jesus. So how will you respond? Will you let your fear keep you paralyzed? And that's going to lead us to our final story of the evening. Because sometimes our actions don't uh, just affect one person. Uh, they can actually change the way an entire culture behaves. And that's what happened uh, in China after a man named Peng Yu helped an old woman who had fallen down. The, the picture you see is a woman named Zhu Xiolan. And Peng saw Zhu fall as she was getting off of a bus. Feeling sorry for her, feeling, you know, feeling compassion for her. He rushed over to her and he, he helped her, not just up, but he helped her to the hospital. He made sure that she got medical care. 
Um, and it obviously through the conversation, he found out she was not a woman of means. And so he even took the money from his pockets, all the money he had, and he gave it to her to help pay for her medical bills. It actually reminds me a lot of the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, and if you remember that story, there was a, a Samaritan who had seen someone get beat up and robbed, or he came across them on the road. And he did the same thing. He took that person to a place where they could recover and he paid for their bills and he made sure that they were helped. Well, that's exactly what this man Peng did for this woman named Shu. He didn't know her. He had no ties to her. So what did she do? Instead of thanking him, she sued him, claiming that he had pushed her. Even though there was no evidence against Peng Yu, none, not one single shred of evidence. In fact, there were several witnesses who testified at the trial that he was nowhere near her when she fell. There literally wasn't a single piece of evidence tying him to this crime. But the judge, however, ruled and listened to the words I'm about to say, because if you've never heard the devil at work in someone's heart, I want you to hear what this judge said about this man who helped this woman. He said, no one in good conscience would help someone unless they felt guilty. No one would in good conscience help someone unless they felt guilty. And he forced the man to pay the equivalent in American money of a little over $6,000 to her. That clearly is the devil at work. But it didn't just affect Peng Yu. You see, people across China became terrified to help anyone who got hurt. There was now a legal precedent that let injured people sue the people who helped them. And this problem started to spread all through China. Incident after incident occurred where those who were in need and got helped literally turned around and sued the people who helped them. You know, the truth is we've seen some of that here in our country as well. But I think probably the worst story came after this situation when a little girl, just two years old, was run over by a car in China while 18 people watched. 18 human beings watched a two-year-old girl get run over by a car and not one person moved a muscle. They were so terrified that they would be sued like Peng Yu had that all 18 people walked away and let that child die. Now, I'm sure that you, like me, are absolutely sickened by this story. None of us would want to be one of those 18. None of us would ever want to live our lives with the knowledge that we had let a two-year-old die because of our own fear. 
And this was fear of just monetary loss. So I'm going to ask you again, who has God put on your heart that you need to talk to? Because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking the same thing as me. I would risk my financial future to save a little two-year-old girl. I feel confident that I would do that. And I'll bet you feel the same way. You would risk your financial safety to save an innocent two-year-old girl. But God might be calling you to talk to a not-so-innocent 22-year-old. Will you risk your mental safety for a not-so-innocent 22-year-old? How about a downright difficult 62-year-old? Maybe God has called you to someone who's tough to go talk to someone who maybe can be difficult that you already know or you know can be tough to talk to. Can you follow in Peter's footsteps? So the, the truth is that Jesus helped the disciples learn what it was like to follow God. He was their example. And then after Jesus goes to heaven, he left those disciples behind to help us learn how to follow. And we are to follow the disciples' example. We're supposed to act like Peter acted because Peter was acting the way Jesus acted. And Jesus acted the way his father acted. Make sense? So can you follow in Peter's footsteps? Can you reach out for the kingdom's sake? So where did you find yourself in this story? Uh, if you're an unbeliever, then verse 19 was for you tonight. Let me remind you of what verse 19 said. It said, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You know, the name of this message is never miss an opportunity. And Peter sure did not miss an opportunity, did he? Peter, who had just witnessed this miracle, immediately realized this is an opportunity to share the good news about Jesus with all these people who are in front of this temple. All these Jews who so desperately need hope who so desperately need Christ, I'm not going to waste this opportunity. We have their attention. I'm going to share the good news. He took advantage of this miracle to point everyone around him to the author of miracles and the king of second chances. And I'm not going to waste this opportunity either. If you're not yet following Christ. I'm not going to waste this opportunity if I have your attention right now. And I want to invite you that you don't let this opportunity slip away. If you don't yet know Jesus, if you have not taken that step, don't let the day slip away from you. Don't let it go. Make a decision to follow Jesus today. Stay on this Zoom. And when everyone else has dropped off, I'll walk through it with you. Your life can change today. Your eternal destination 
can change today. Don't miss this opportunity. Some of you find yourself in a different place. You find yourself having already received the free gift and praise God you are going to heaven. That is good news. But maybe you don't know this joy and peace and purpose that Peter was talking about. If this is you, I want you to make an appointment at the Connection Cafe to have a conversation with me. Um, because the truth is those promises have already been given to you. And I want to make sure that you know how to claim those promises. They are absolute game changers. You can go through life regardless of circumstances with peace, be able to sleep at night, have joy regardless of where you find yourself. Peter would find himself in prison and he would still have joy. And you can have purpose. There can be purpose for your life. It won't be a, well, I'm just running the rat race, trying to make ends meet, trying to get that next promotion, trying to get the kids, you know, into college. That doesn't have to be what your life is about. You can have a life filled with purpose. So if you don't know that joy, that purpose, that peace, please reach out. Some of you, you are already living your life for God. You have purpose, you have joy, you have peace, but you can't do the one thing that Peter did in this story. Did you notice how easily Peter turned this conversation towards Jesus? Can you do that? Do you know how to turn any conversation towards the one topic that can truly make a difference? If not, Again, I want you to connect with me through the Connection Cafe because I would love to teach you how to talk about the one man who will have an eternal impact on every man that you know, every woman that you know, everyone you love, everyone you meet. Can you turn those conversations to Jesus? I'm going to close this now, and that's what I want to pray about. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, first of all, that you would offer us forgiveness for the sins that we have committed. And, and we know in our own hearts, Lord, that we've done things that were evil. We've done things that were terrible. We've done things that were bad. But here you are giving us a clear illustration that no sin is too big, no hurt is too big. No past is too big. Nothing can separate your love from us if we'll just accept your free gift. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you love every single one of us, regardless of our past. You love us so much that you sent your son for us. Thank you, Lord, that we can have this refreshing this time of peace and joy and purpose that we can go through life, not just living, but having life to the full. I want that, Lord. I'm getting that from you. I thank you for that. And Lord, for some of us, that's what we need. We need to understand how those things work. 
Lord, for some of us, we, we have that. But this thing that Peter could do, this way of turning a conversation to your son, regardless of what was happening. Paul had it too. We're going to learn about that later. Lord, we want that. We want to be able to follow you. We want to take advantage of the opportunities you give us. This, this was called never miss an opportunity. Lord, we don't want to miss the opportunities that you put, put in front of us. So we thank you that we can learn this skill, that we can turn conversations towards the one topic that truly matters. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So commission opportunities. This week, this Thursday, we are going to reach out to the lost right here in DFW. And quite frankly, it may be really nice weather. It has been. So hopefully that will continue. And if it is, um, we have been talking about switching up and walking, like prayer walking, uh, some apartment complexes and getting to know people in those communities. If that's something that you can join us for, uh, please reach out. I would love to have a conversation uh, with you about that. And look, so, hey, the story of Peter and John, it's not over yet. Don't, don't drop off yet. The story of Peter and John is not over. Um, next week, we're going to find out what happens when they go to court. And I know, I know you, you love those uh, reality court TV shows, right? I know you do. You can't, you can't help. You're flipping channels. And, oh, I got to stop. I got to watch. Um Next week, we're going to hear about the Jerusalem Court reality TV show. So join us. Don't, don't you miss that. It's going to be good. We love you. We thank you so much for spending time with us here uh, at the Steeplest Church, being part of our family. May God bless you richly through Christ Jesus this week. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.